With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. Welcome back to Ask Me My House. I'm Melina. And I'm Jordan. And if it's not morning where you are, good (laughs) day. It's Good evening. Bright and early for us. I think this is a new one for us. Have we ever recorded an episode this early? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, it's been a while. We we normally do it at night. So <laughs> when the kids go to bed, what Melana's about to uh, yell at me about <laughs> has never happened before. But honey, do you want to go ahead and say what you're? Okay, I have been wanting like drip coffee. So we've never actually owned like a classical coffee machine. We had a Keurig and then we have an espresso machine and we've never had like drip coffee coffee. And that's what I used to have when I was in high school. And I, I don't know. I just want like a big cup of coffee, like a big cup of Joe. So Jordan and my dad went out yesterday and got one. And then this morning I went to go make some coffee and I look at the coffee that Jordan bought and it's decaf. I said, honey, who? Who buys decaf coffee? I got that for people who don't want to drink like a lot of caffeine at night, but they still want to have like a little coffee with their dessert. That's all Brazilians. That's all people from Latin America. No, true Brazilians. Sound off in the No, the true Brazilians will have a real coffee and still go to bed 30 minutes later. (laughs) Well, I did get actually like fully caffeinated coffee and I got the decaf. (laughs) Right before we recorded, Jordan's like, drink more of your coffee. I was like, why? It's decaf anyway. (laughs) It's not going to do anything. But you can hear my nasally voice. I was sick a couple of days ago, so I do apologize for that. You guys are going to have to put up with that this episode. I'm sorry. All you do, you just sound like me all the time now, (laughs) which is okay. We're having fun, but yeah. If you guys recall, just a quick recap uh, from last week, we went through the book of Habakkuk, and Habakkuk, if you don't know, he's a prophet in the Bible uh, who is writing and and proclaiming God's word to the people and asking God questions on behalf of the people. So Habakkuk, in in our first uh, episode last week, we kind of looked at his complaints and his prayer requests and his petitions to God. So there's three times that he questions God or asks God for revelation. Mm -hmm. And he talks about all this violence going on and all this destruction happening and and where is God in the midst of suffering and injustice. And it's pretty spot on to what we are facing in today's world, right? Mm -hmm. We have a lot of the same questions and and wonderings about God. Where is God when this happens, right? Or where is God in this situation? And so we kind of broke it up in a way that it's not actually meant to be read. Like you're meant to read and and study and meditate on the scripture as it go as you you know go through the book. But we actually broke it up and we said, okay, let's skip to Habakkuk's complaint, and then let's go to the next one, and let's just look at all of the ways that Habakkuk questions God. And then in the next episode, which is today's episode, 
we're going to look at how God responds to Habakkuk. So this isn't meant to be an exhaustive, like very technical study. We just kind of want to take these principles that God is responding to Habakkuk and then kind of uh, all encompassing look at the, the overarching theme, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, of, of what's going on here. Yeah. And last week, Jordan led. This week, Moach will lead. Hello. <laughs> so if you haven't already, we highly suggest you listen to part one. And read part, through the whole book. Yeah, through the whole book. This book the is... The whole really, Bible. The whole... This book, y'all, it's really long. The whole it's three a whole, chapters. Yeah, whole three chapters. It's going to take you probably 10 minutes to read. <laughs> so it won't be that lengthy so definitely pause and read back um because this won't make much sense if not yeah so honey before you take it away i just want to thank simply safe for sponsoring today's episode and here's the thing about home security companies most trap you with high prices tricky contracts and lousy customer support so while there are a lot of options out there there's only one no-brainer and that's simply safe Simply Safe has everything you need to protect your home with none of the drawbacks of traditional home security. It's got an arsenal of sensors and cameras to blanket every room, window, and door tailored specifically for your home. Professional monitoring keeps watch day and night, ready to send police, fire, or medical professionals if there's an emergency. You can set it up yourself in under an hour. All you have to do is peel and stick the sensors exactly where you need them, and there's no technician required. Also, there's no contracts, no pushy sales guys, no hidden fees, no fine print, and all this starts at $15 a month. And we're not the only people who think Simply Safe is great. U.S. News and World Report named it the best overall home security of 2020. So head to simplysafe.com slash myhouse and get a free HD camera for our listeners. That's simplysafe.com slash myhouse to make sure they know that our show sent you. Again, it's simplysafe.com slash myhouse. Today, I am going to be reading through ESV. Um, are you reading King James? Yeah, I have the King James, the old school version, and some of the language is different if you're kind of new to the Bible or new to, like, what are all these different translations? The original scriptures and the original text are inspired, so... While we still regard the word as being able to be translated, like you can translate and, and understand salvation and understand God's plan, um, the actual original text being uh, Hebrew for the Old Testament and Greek for the New Testament, plus a little bit of Aramaic here and there, those are what we would regard as inspired. So it's good to look at different translations in English or whatever language that you're, that's your native language and see how the scholars... Um, would translate certain things. So it's good to cross-reference and say, oh, maybe the mm-hmm. King James words it this way. Oh, wow, that's actually really insightful. I get a whole new, not a whole new understanding or meaning, but just a lot more context, right? And a lot mm-hmm. more insight. It's it's enriching for your, your study. Well, and an easy way to do that too is like you don't have to own like five different Bibles because I can understand that can get pricey, but you can use whatever Bible you already have. And then you can use your Bible app, which is free. It's the yeah. version. Mm-hmm. And then you can look up different translations, and they have several on there. I feel like at least 30. And there's a website called Bible Hub. If you want to type in, like, a verse or a chapter, it'll actually show you on the side of the screen. Like, you can cross-reference. It'll show you. Oh, that's nice. Like, different translations. and Like, what each translation is saying. Right. And then a commentary, like, selected commentaries. What is that called? Uh, Bible Hub. Okay. So if you just type in a, a... 
a verse. Usually it's like the second or third hit that comes up on, on Google when you oh, okay. search a scripture. I probably used it then. But yeah, it's it's pretty handy, pretty neat. So, honey, take us through part okay. two. Okay. So, since we kind of chunked it up a little bit different, where we're going to start reading is Habakkuk 1.5. And this is the Lord's answer to Habakkuk's first complaint. Now, we kind of like made a joke that in his first complaint, it sounded a lot like 2020. It was very similar. Like he is basically calling out the injustice that's happening in the world, the violence and destruction and asking the Lord, like, why will you save us? Why aren't you doing anything about this? How could you see our cry and hear our cries and not want to help us? Um, and the Lord's answer. So this is one five. Look among the nations and see wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your day that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am rising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth, the breadth of earth to seize dwelling not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity, dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like eagles swiftly to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captivity like sand. At kings they scuff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep up like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Honey, break down for us this Verse 5 here, where God is setting up his response. Before okay. he even replies to Habakkuk, what does he say kind of in in uh, a preface here? Okay. Um, I apologize about my lisp. I've, like, really noticed that, like, I have a lisp right now. <laughs> you just and developed I, it? Uh, no, because I have a canker sore on my tongue right now, and it's, like, making me sound really lispy. I sound like Alethea because she has a lisp. Although hers and a is munchkin cute. voice. Yeah, when she does it, it's cute. When I do it, it's kind of annoying. So I apologize. When I was reading that, I'm like, that, why does it? Okay, anyway. You're fine. Honey. Okay, so when I first you read fine. this, <laughs> I had to read it over a couple of times because I was like, what? I'm like, God is basically just describing the Chaldeans here. What am I missing? And then I realized that the whole, the main chunk of what the Lord is saying to him is in the first couple of sentences. So he says, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work, the work in your days, for that you would not believe if told. The main key thing right here is that you would not believe if told. God is just basically telling him, Habakkuk, listen, dude, you wouldn't even believe me if I told you what I was doing. You are so far from me, so far from my fellowship, that you don't even see or realize what I'm doing right now. You're kind of blinded to it, dude. Where where have you gone? Where have you been? Yeah, and I think it's helpful to have a little timeline too because that's a great point of knowing where in history we are. So if you don't know, uh, Israel, the, the Israelites go into captivity. They're captured by Babylon. Uh, here in the Chaldeans is just another name for the Babylonians, uh, that, that nation, that people group. So you have Babylon about to 
cap, uh, take captive uh, the Israelites, and then they go into slavery. That's where you get, you know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? All these mm-hmm. different people that are talked about and prophets that God is still working through and using even though they go into captivity. So Habakkuk is prophesying about this Babylonian invasion that's imminently happening in the future, right? Mm-hmm. So God is saying like, look, this is what's going to happen and you're not even going to believe me because your hearts are so far from me. Mm-hmm. You, you're, this is, this is the measures I am now taking because you would not repent and you would not turn back to me. You would not trust in me. So because of that, I'm going to judge you people, you nation and say, Babylon is going to be the tool that I use to judge you. Mm-hmm. And yesterday when we were actually reading this, um, Jordan was going back into the Bible and talking about the story of um, Asaph. No, she. Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes. And Jordan was like looking back at the Bible. And I just had like this epiphany. The first moment I think that I really like understood that the Bible is not written chronologically because when Jordan was like Habakkuk is prophesying what's going to happen to the to Israel I was like but you just rolled back into the Bible well I'll I'll make it even crazier I'll up the ante no please don't (laughs) (laughs) so Habakkuk comes later in the Bible according to how it's categorized right by categories Mm-hmm. which is how every Bible is. And we went back into Daniel, mm-hmm. but Daniel takes place after Habakkuk. I know. That's, that's what I was saying. That's why I was mind blown. I I was, under, I I'm saying that. even even though Habakkuk comes later in the Bible, according to you know how it's grouped and categorized, Daniel is talking about stuff even after Habakkuk. Mm. So it's like Habakkuk in the middle, point back to Daniel, and then Daniel points even farther over. Well, the book of Daniel is basically Revelation, isn't it? Well, like... It's prophetic. It's prophetic. So Talking about end times. Some of it, yes. So what Melana is saying, if you're, if you're lost, let me try to clarify Sorry, some Sorry, I shouldn't stuff. have said Revelation. I should have said end times. No, it's okay. Um, what's going on here is Melana was staggered to find out that the Bible, as we have it categorized, is not chronological. Which is very confusing. Yes, but they do have things called chronological Bibles, uh, which I pulled out to Milena and her jaw dropped and she kind of had to like... I told him we needed to take a moment because I was grieving. I was (laughs) grieving. She just couldn't comprehend that the Bible that we've had is not is categorized by uh, topic, right? Or not not topic, but uh, types of books, right? So at the Mm -hmm. beginning, you have the books of the law, right? The first five books, the Torah or the Pentateuch. Those are the books of Moses. You know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then you go into, uh, you know, different categories. Like you have wisdom books like Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Then you have the prophets, the major prophets like uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Then you have the minor prophets. And then you have the Gospels. And the, But mm-hmm. all that to say, those aren't all necessarily happening like one and then the next in chronological order. They're just ordered in in genre. Mm-hmm. So that's where the confusion comes. Uh, so I told Milana, no, actually Habakkuk's writing about stuff that happens, you know, far later. Mm-hmm. And then you go back in the Bible in in the, in the genre Bible, how it's, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it, a traditional ordering. Mm-hmm. 
And she's like, wait a second, why are you going back in time to talk about something that's happening in the future? I was like, because it's just, that's just how they categorized it. So if you want to see something from like a linear timeline perspective, pick up a chronological Bible or just pick up a, you can even Google like a timeline, like a biblical timeline chart. And just like follow it in your Bible. Yeah, you can see books of the Bible in chronological order. And then you can kind of read and skip around because some places. Wait, is even the New Testament not in, it's in, isn't it in order? Kind of. Um, it's it's more, the reason why they do it by genre is to kind of help you stay with like one, stick with one theme or one one text. So mm-hmm. when you have the Gospels, they're they're all happening at the same time, but they were written at different times, but it's all about the events of Jesus's life, which was a, a point in time, right? Mm-hmm. When you get to Paul, it has, and then it goes all through, you know, the Acts and then all, all of Paul's writings. Then you got Peter and John and James, you know, these were all disciples, right? Then you have John's revelation, which is put at the end because that is kind of like the last things, right? These are the, the last and final word of and Testament of Jesus. So mm-hmm. this is kind of what's, what's going to happen in the very end. That's why it's placed at the very end, but um, was it was it the last book to be written? I don't know. You know, there's there's it could be or you know there's di- debate about it. So, um, yeah, if you're if you're following along here, that's kind of where okay the yeah. confusion. Sorry, came up. I did not mean <laughs> to like get us off topic, but I think things like that is what makes the Bible easier to understand because it's it can be a little bit confusing. So for me, that was just like a big like big moment because. I got to like witness it firsthand of the order is not what it may seem. So like Jordan was saying, the Lord is using Habakkuk to kind of prophesize what is going to happen to Israel um, and how he's going to use Babylon. Well, I have a question on that. So why is God saying you won't even believe me if I told you what has happened to Israel? What have they broken? (laughs) Their trust, they're fighting, they're away from the Lord. Yeah, all the above. Yeah, and this is commonly seen throughout entire scripture, and there's a story of the prodigal son that we have referenced many times. Um, But basically, it's these two sons, an older and a younger son, and the youngest son tells his dad, Dad, you know, I really want your um, inheritance. And normally in their tradition, when the father passes, that is when they get their inheritance. But this son had the audacity to say, Dad, you're basically dead to me, and I would like your inheritance now. And he said, okay, son. He gave it to him. He went off, partied, lived on, did what everyone thinks is fun and glamorous, and then soon realized that he was eating like, the pigs that his dad has at his farm and wasn't living a very glamorous lifestyle and decides to return. And when he does return, his father had his arms wide open and received him with joy and they had a feast and a celebration and they were so excited that he came back. And it's that's the same way that the Lord is with us and that's kind of how the Lord is with Habakkuk telling him, like, come back to me. You're too far removed. Come back. Exactly. So that the key there is, like Melana said, the son, the younger son that squandered his father's inheritance, walked out of fellowship with his father. Mm-hmm. 
never at any point did he stop being his father's son. Yes. The relationship was always there. Mm-hmm. You, you can't can, lose your relationship. once You you're, can break the fellowship with God, but you can never lose your relationship with him once you're saved. Absolutely. And that's such a good point. But a great kind of way to put this into perspective, too, is to think of a show that you really like. I th- mentioned or I want to mention Pretty Little Liars because I feel like that's a show that you need to watch to understand what's going on. You need to watch every single episode. If you're to be watching season two and you start at season one, but you don't pick up until episode 10 or 11, you're going to be a little bit confused and not really understand what's going on because you've missed such a big chunk of key information and key things that kind of happen that you would easily be able to understand and know what's going on. Same thing that the Lord is telling Habakkuk here. Like, dude, you're so far removed. You've missed so many of the little pieces. You're missing what I've been doing. He's saying to him, for I am doing the work in your days. For you would not believe if I've told. So he's telling you, Habakkuk, I am doing this right now. But you've missed all the episodes. Yeah, now you're trying to play catch up. Mm-hmm. And you're missing it. Yeah, that's the thing with our position in our Uh, fellowship with God, right? Whenever we are distant from the Lord, it's not he who has left us, it's us who have left him. Mm -hmm. I think back even to the very beginning with Adam and Eve, right after they sin and fall to temptation, they, it says, the scripture says that they recognized that they were naked before they were naked in front of each other and no shame, right? Right. And then all of a sudden they sin and there's shame and there's guilt that comes in. And these were all foreign feelings that they had never felt before Mm -hmm. and so then they hide and then God comes walking through the garden as he often would with them and he asks he calls out to Adam and Eve where are you well don't you think God knew where they were of course he did (laughs) you know like he's God he knows all so for God to ask the question where are you it's not so much like where are you in in your locality like Mm. like oh I lost my phone where is it it's not like that it's more of an existential deeper meaning in a deeper uh, assumption with the with the question we see jesus doing this god on on earth in his questioning and how he would respond to people asking him a question he would do a very socratic approach which is questioning the questioner Mm -hmm. and the reason why jesus did that was oftentimes it would open up the one asking the question within their own assumptions so they would come to jesus with some loaded question trying to trap him or trick him and they would say something and then he would question them back and and pierce through all the nonsense that they're trying to ask right mm-hmm. to their heart and say, well, what about this? You know, and then he would actually reveal their hearts. And it, all, all these times in the scripture, you see, you know, they dare not question Jesus again or, or he left them, you know, like profound. Right. Mm-hmm. So we see the same thing. God saying to, to Adam and Eve, where are you? It's more of this idea of where's your heart? Where are you in proximity to me? what they were feeling, what they were experiencing was a distancing and a separation from God because of their sin that they'd never experienced before. Mm. He used to walk with them in the cool of the day, right? So now they're divided and he's like, where are you? What's happened? What, what's going on, right? What is this new sensation or this new idea, this new concept of sin, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to get them to understand it. So the same way Habakkuk is saying, uh, God is saying to Habakkuk here, you won't believe this because you don't know where you are. You have rebelled. You're a rebellious people. You've gone your own way. You've left me. And this is now how I'm going to operate using the Babylonians. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. He's just explaining to him how he's going to bring judgment on them because they wouldn't listen otherwise. Yeah, and I think we look at judgment in such a broad or, or maybe such a narrow perspective where God might mean it to be more broad, mm-hmm. right? Like whenever I think of judgment, when I see like, oh, God's going to judge these people, I think of like you're, God's sending them right to hell, right? He's damning them. But that's not necessarily the, always the case when you talk about God judging or God using. Sometimes it's just the mat, the fact of he's, like in Habakkuk's case, using some desperate measure or some drastic measure to get the people's hearts to turn back to him. Because mm. a lot of times, I don't, if you're like me or Milena, we go through some trial or some you know testing time, and then we come out on the other side and we say, oh, wow, the Lord actually used that mm-hmm. bad thing, right? You go back to, to Genesis fifty twenty two, I think it is. Uh, where Joseph, he's telling his brothers what what man intended for evil, God used for good. Mm-hmm. So we see God using people and using nations in a way to turn people's hearts back to him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. All right, now we're going to pick up on the Lord's second response to Habakkuk. Um, so this picks up at 2, is it 2, 1? Two 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 two. Okay, do you want to read it? Yes, I'm actually going to switch over to the ESV myself, just so I don't lose. Here, do you just want to use my Bible? I got it pulled up. Okay. So this is Habakkuk two verse two, and the Lord answered me, "Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time; it hastens to the end; it will not lie." If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects all his own peoples. Shall not all these take up their taunts against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own for how long and loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise and those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them because you have plundered many nations and all the remnant of the people shall plunder you for the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gains for his house to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life. For the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him who builds a town with blood, and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, it is not from the Lord of hosts that people labor merely for fire, and nations weary themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, As the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk. In order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you. And utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you. As will the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. 
What profit is it an idol when it makes what profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies. For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath in it at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Hmm. Oh okay. man, there's so much there that we, I we know. can't hardly break it down all, but... I really like the ending part because he's basically just describing every false god. And interesting enough, you can trace back every false religion back to Babylon. Yep. Every single false religion goes straight back to Babylon. Um, and that's basically what he's prophesying here, or telling Habakkuk, prophesying how they will be taken by Babylon and shown the judgment. Absolutely. And you see in verse 18, like Melina said, God's talking about what profit is it for an idol, right? Mm-hmm. We see the same idea. I believe it's in Isaiah where he says, you know, say you go into a forest and chop down a tree and you cut the tree in half and half of it you carve into an idol and bow down and worship it as God. And the other half you use to burn a fire. And he's like, he's saying, is this thing not in my right hand a lie? Meaning... Mm. Look at look at what you're doing. You're you're literally bowing down before this, and then the rest of it you're just burning for for fuel, right? For to mm. cook your dinner. Mm-hmm. So if it's this, it's cut from the same thing, right? right? Yeah. And so it's a lie. It's a fabrication. It's something that's comfortable to us. And this doesn't have. To, we're listening to this in 2020, like, oh, uh, I'm I'm civilized. I'm not like these, you know, uncivilized animals bowing down to wood. Well, no, but I bet you you worship your job, or I bet you worship your spouse. Or bet you even worship the image of what your family ought to look like and what you want other people to think about. You might worship the jealousy that others might have from you that you you feed off of, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's your appearance or social media, right? Or Mm -hmm. whatever. There's so many different idols that we worship. And we don't even realize it. That's the most deceiving thing about an idol is Mm -hmm. we think it's not an idol. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Money. We got money. Oh, yeah. I think that's a big one. Um, But I kind of wanted to jump back to the beginning. Um, It's around two, three. It's like halfway through three. And it says, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And this is the perfect description of God's timing. It can be, it may seem like it's a little bit too slow. It may seem like it's going to come, but it won't be late. And it's just like the perfect description of God's timing because we tend to forget or tend to think that he's not acting, but it's just not on the Lord's timing. Yeah, and and I think it's first or second Peter in the New Testament. uh, Peter says, God is not slow to keep his promise as some regard slowness, but a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years with the Lord. What that means is, God's timing is, like Melina said, perfect. He's never too early. He's never late. He's always right on time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting in verse 4, at the, the second half of it, the righteous shall live by his faith. It's like, wait a second. That sounds like that sounds New, New Testament-esque, right? That mm-hmm. sounds like something you would see in the Gospels or in Paul's writings, right? Like 
you'll live by by you should live by faith you know that you're justified you're made right by your faith well here we see the continuity and the single thread of the scripture not being 66 books but one book with 66 chapters mm-hmm. and so you see these same themes recurring hundreds of years before Jesus even comes on the scene is people living by faith in the old testament mm-hmm. abraham was a man of god he was by faith trusted god right david was known as a man after God's own heart. He had faith and trusted in him. You see these prophets, right, and these kings that come up later, some of them good, some of them bad, but all with the same theme of we need to turn our hearts back and live by faith. And so we see this tucked in perfectly right here, I think, in Habakkuk 2.4. Mm-hmm. And last thing I'll say about this chapter is, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. Some of y'all know say. that <laughs> better than us. <laughs> <laughs> Which is saying something, but what? <laughs> wine is a traitor. You ever you ever gotten you know drink a little too much and then you're like, oh man, I sounded really stupid or I acted like a fool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tra- It's a traitor. Mm. Yep, that's true. Okay, and I just said some people know that better than we do. <laughs> All right, now picking up on the last thing. So actually, I'm telling you, this lisp, it's so annoying. <laughs> um, okay, so how we broke it up was Habakkuk's complaint and prayers to the Lord, and then the Lord answers him. And then Habakkuk does one more prayer after what Jordan just read. And then it's more, it says Habakkuk's rejoice to the Lord. So it's not really the Lord like answering him one more time. It's Habakkuk waking up and being like, Oh, okay. Yes. Like having an epiphany. So God's not exactly speaking to Habakkuk, but he is giving him a revelation of, of heart and of mind. Yes. Okay. Do you want me to read that? Go okay. for it. Habakkuk rejoices in the Lord. So this is 317. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olives fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the Lord of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. That's such a cool ending to this book, I think, because Mm -hmm. you see after his complaints and after his wrestling with God and struggling to understand what's going on to hear his proclamation at the end is, mm-hmm. is awesome to say this and this and this and this and this can all go wrong. Yeah. I will rejoice in you. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. You are my strength. Let me okay. translate this to, uh, the unauthorized Jordan version 2020 <laughs> edition. So what does it mean if the fig tree shall not blossom? Well, that's what I'm about to translate. I know. So tell me. Though coronavirus has impacted <laughs> every aspect of our lives and our businesses have been destroyed and I don't know if I'm going to make ends meet and I got laid off from work and I got children to take care of and a family to feed and this and that and the other thing. And now I have to go, you know, my, my mom is sick in the hospital or I lost my dog or all these things are going wrong even still. This isn't God hating me. This isn't God being angry with me. This is him 
causing me to turn back to him. And this is me looking to him for my joy, my strength, and my salvation. Amen. So that's kind of the uh, the updated version. <laughs> Habakkuk saying, look, all, everything's going wrong. I don't understand it all, but what I do know is that God is good mm-hmm. and his purposes are perfect. Amen. What a beautiful book. I'd love to finish off a quote from Dr. J. Vernon McGee, J.V. McGee. He's a uh, Bible commentator. He has a program on the radio and he has books called Through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee just commentaries where he lays out like helping you understand and explaining the passages. So I just want to read a quick little paragraph here uh, from what we just read at the end of Habakkuk. So he's proclaiming who God is and then he's praising God for who he is at the end of of chapter three here. And J. Vernon McGee says this, my friend, my friend, God is the answer. That's how, that's how he talks. Very like strong (laughs) Southern. I was a little confused at first. I, I can't help but when I read or you like hear a person's voice. Yeah, I hear him. His voice is very distinct. If you ever heard him, uh, look up J. Vernon McGee and listen to his, some of his commentaries. But that's how he talks. My friend, God is the answer to your questions. <laughs> how cute. God is the answer to your problems. Therefore, it does not matter who you are or where you are. You can rejoice in him and you can rejoice in his salvation. You can say with Habakkuk, who was such a pessimist in the beginning, I will joy in the God of my salvation. This book opened in gloom, but it closes in glory. It opened with a question mark, but it continues and closes with a mighty exclamation point. And it ends with his wonderful song, May You and I Be Encouraged Today by the Word of God. I thought that was great summation of Habakkuk because... Like all of us, that should be the process when we are <laughs> like wrestling with something or trying to understand something with God is, God, this doesn't make sense. I can't understand this. I don't know what you're doing. Help me to see this. Help me to understand this, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes God doesn't give us the answer we want or that we like, but we trust that he knows all and he sees all and he is higher than our ways. His His thoughts are above ours, right? Mm-hmm. So we can trust him and we can rest assured and, and have comfort that he is working all things for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose, even the bad stuff, even the judgments, right? It's all part of his plan. Mm-hmm. Amen. Awesome, honey. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Good um, job. <laughs> our joke <laughs> that <laughs> we made last time um, was that we didn't do a prayer of the day because, hello, we were reading scripture. And God forbid, God forbid we do two. <laughs> too much. You can't have too much scripture now. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to say real quick, you guys are probably wondering about the YouTube video. I did have a problem with the audio, like I thought I would, because it's so like tricky to deal with the audio from the podcast and the video and stuff. So I'm still trying to figure out how to do that. Hopefully the next episode that we do. Because it would be so annoying for the audio to be off. And I know it would drive myself and you guys crazy if the audio was not perfectly in sync. Yeah. So I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, I could research it a little bit more too. And then hopefully by next episode we can yes. have it all squared away. Exactly. Yeah. And the next episode we're going to do is um, The Christian Man. Remember I did a YouTube video. Of the Christian Man. <laughs> well, I was going to like emphasize it a little bit but i did a youtube video a long time about a long time ago about being a christian wife 
And now Jordan's going to do The Christian Husband, the spinoff version. This is news to me. I got some homework to do. You knew this. Uh, kind of. You kind of threw it out there, but now that it's out there on the episode, I have to commit to it now. So. Give the people what they want. They've <sighs> been requesting this ever since that video came out a year ago. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's our prayer request? This week, our prayer request comes from Victoria. And she's asking for prayers for their good friends who just lost their baby after being pregnant for eight months. Um, and she's having a hard time believing this was God's plan. Oh. Uh, well, let me first say, before we actually pray, Victoria, that no, this is not in God's plan. This is not how he designed things. The reason that life is lost and that we experience death in any capacity is because of our choice to sin, right? Adam and Eve rebelling against God. Again, sin entered the world. That's where everything came and, and death came through sin and sin through Adam, right? Mm -hmm. So the good news is Jesus reversed that. And he's also referred to as the second Adam because the first Adam screwed it up. <laughs> so we needed another Adam, a perfect human to come along and actually do what Adam and Eve didn't do. And that's exactly what Jesus did. So because of that, we can reverse that and experience true relationship and true fellowship back with God because of what Jesus has done. Mm -hmm. Also encourage you with this when David, uh, King David had an affair uh, with Bathsheba and created and committed adultery. The child that was um, brought about from that was uh, a stillborn or he was, he, he was dead like shortly after he was born. And David, of course, mourned and, and lamented over the loss of his child, but then he turns his lament to praise. It's again, in like Habakkuk, we see this theme over and over. And he says to God, he proclaims to God that my son can't come back to me, but I will one day go to him. Mm. And so that's the idea here that in a, a precious baby who's lost um, in such a way is never lost to God, right? Like he is in control of all and he holds them in his hands. So you'll see him again. Uh, your friends will see their child again. And as hard as it is now on the side of eternity, uh, rest assured that the Lord is, is in control of all and, and nothing escapes his hand or, or gets past him. So mm -hmm. let's go ahead and pray for Victoria and her friends. Lord God, we come to you just with a, a heart of questioning, a heart of uh, sincerity, trying to make sense of things that don't seem sensible. Uh, Lord, when there's loss of life, we know that you uh, lament and hate it even more so than we, uh, which is why you did something about it when you sent your son Jesus to die for us in our place to put death to death and that way we could have eternal life through you and through receiving salvation through what you did on the cross and so I pray that you would remind Victoria and her friends about that Lord as the wounds are still fresh and uh, there's still so many questions Lord I pray that you walk with them through their healing process and that you would just confirm that to them and assure them of your goodness and your grace and your purposes Lord 
let them know that death was never in your plan and never part of your your will for us, but we chose to rebel and to go against that. So, Lord, will you just work peace in their hearts and will you give them clarity of, of heart and of mind to know that you still love them and you will use even this to uh, to reach them and to touch them and to impact them for your glory. And God, as we all wrestle with questions and, and how could this happen or, or what's your will in all of this, Lord, will you remind us as Habakkuk did that we can place our joy and our strength in you and that we have no one else in heaven but you who is worthy of all our praise and honor and glory. And in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. See you guys next week. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.